are the top true crime podcasts necessarily the most ethical? I read a really interesting survey the other day that said that the top two reasons that people listen to podcasts are for entertainment and education. The bottom reason, kind of sadly, I think, is for encouragement and inspiration. Now, I try my best to give you all of these things on The Unlovely Truth, but that survey made me rethink how true crime podcasts as entertainment made me feel. And I started thinking, was hosting a true crime podcast a good idea? And if it was, how do podcasters ethically share these really sensitive true crime stories? Today, I want to talk about the conclusion I came to and celebrate other podcasts who are doing it in ways that I consider to really fit into a good ethical framework. I am so glad that you've joined me today for this episode of The Unlovely Truth. I'm your host, private investigator, Lori Morrison. I want us to tackle this whole idea of telling true crime stories and see what kind of spiritual and safety takeaways we can find there. Because I think for me as a Christian and everybody else who is a Christ follower, we have a calling to be a different kind of PI, a person of impact. And it is so much easier to do that than you might think. So we'll talk about some ways that you can be a PI for somebody else this week. This is season four, episode 18. There's a lot going on in today's episode because it's also the first of the month. So we want to make sure we share an unsolved crime with as many people as we can so we can try to move it forward. So let's just dive in and get going. Apple Podcasts has over 200 true crime podcasts on its platform as of right now. Over 50% of Americans really enjoy consuming true crime stories in one form or another. Now, as we all know, just because something's popular doesn't mean that it's necessarily a good thing. I mean, remember high school, right? One thing that I think sets more ethical true crime podcasts apart from the less ethical when you're telling a story, why are you doing it? For me, it's because I believe that these stories that I share have takeaways in it for all of us, not only to help ourselves maybe stay safer or to, to be entertained in an ethical way, but I also think that we can learn ways that we can kind of stand in the gap for people. We can be a resource for people. We can be an advocate, an ally, a support for people whose lives have been touched by true crime in one way or another. And there's, there's trauma there. You know, it's never my intention to glorify violence or anybody who practices it. That's not why I tell these stories. Because if you've listened to me, you know I leave out a lot of details that would really only appeal to kind of the baser aspects of human nature. Now, I'm not going to call out any particular podcast that I think are doing that. And I do think there are quite a few out there. What I am going to do today is lift up a few podcasts that I think have certain aspects where they are really doing it right, just really hitting a home run. They're not necessarily focused on storytelling from a Christian perspective as I try to focus, but they do embody many principles that all of us who are followers of Christ can really benefit from. First up is Without Warning, hosted by Sheila Waisaki. Now this one's near and dear to my heart as well because Sheila has been my mentor in the PI field and she really introduced me to the whole concept of podcasting. And her show just embodies the very best of, I think, podcasting in any genre. 
but especially in the true crime storytelling world because her shows are focused on the families that she is serving. Not only that, I know dozens of people who've been inspired by Sheila to work cold cases because they want to help families too. They want to be there for people who are hurting and need to find answers. So for me, that is just the top level epitome of how you ethically tell true crime stories. But these stories are entertaining. They have to be in the sense of being interesting because think about it. Who's going to listen if the story is just boring, dry facts? We want people to be interested in the stories that we're telling so that they can have those takeaways, so that they can be inspired to help other people. And that's the fine line that every ethical true crime podcast walks with every single episode. Sheila does it so very well. And I can tell you this from personal experience of working with her. She simply puts others first. Her focus is on trying to bring relief to the people right there who are hurting. And to me, that sounds an awful lot like 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 from the New Living Translation. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they're troubled, we will be able to give them that same comfort God has given us. That's a big part of why Sheila does what she's doing. And I think it should be a big part of any podcast that is handling stories about the worst time in a person's life, in their family's life, their loved one's lives. And it may even be the worst part of the history of their community. Missing and Murdered podcast hosted by Connie Walker is another triumph of ethical podcasting for a different reason. The Canadian Broadcasting Corporation has put out two seasons of this podcast so far, and each focuses on a separate case of an Indigenous female who went missing, then was found to have been murdered. For unsolved cases of any kind, awareness is everything. Somebody always knows what happened. Or they know something that when you put it with other clues that have already been put together, things suddenly make sense. So getting that case out in front of people who might now be ready to tell what they know is critical in solving any kind of cold case. Maybe there's someone who didn't know that they knew something important. Maybe someone assumed that that case had already been resolved. Or maybe they had a connection with the person responsible for a heinous crime and now they have a different relationship with them or now they have a different confidence in themselves. Now they don't feel afraid and so they feel like they can come forward. And that's what makes Connie's podcast very special. It highlights cases that typically don't get a lot of media attention. So people aren't being made aware that they might have critical information. And I'm talking about the murders of indigenous women and girls. Proverbs 31 verses 8 and 9 in the New International Version says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Of course, not all indigenous people are destitute. But according to the United Nations Department of Public Information, the average income of Native Americans is less than half the average for the United States overall. Almost a quarter of Native Americans and Alaska Natives live under the poverty line in the United States. 
That's compared to about 12.5% of the total U.S. population. 60% of Aboriginal children in urban areas of Canada live below the poverty line. Now, this lack of resources and discrimination against a minority group often rob Indigenous victims of their voices. So it's so refreshing and so important to see Connie and the Missing and Murdered podcast give help to this group that doesn't always get it. Now, we've all seen cases where it seems like every news outlet on the planet is covering that particular case. That's rare. So many cases just don't get enough attention, especially if the victim is a member of a marginalized group. So that's another big point for ethical podcasting, helping people that aren't getting that help anywhere else. Another great true crime podcast that holds high ethical standards, in my opinion, is Women in Crime with criminologists Dr. Megan Sachs and Dr. Amy Schlossberg. They give a very unique perspective on the criminal justice system, its inequities, and reforms that need to happen. But best of all, they actually work to help women who have been wrongfully convicted and work to improve other problems in the system. They also give resources in their show notes to help listeners who might be struggling with the same issues that they just discussed in that episode. And I try to do that too. So be sure every week, check out the show notes for the podcast to see if there are resources there that you need or that you can share with someone else in need. Micah chapter 6 verses 7 through 9 in the contemporary English version says this, The Lord God has told us what is right and what he demands. See that justice is done. Let mercy be your first concern and humbly obey your God. This call not only to justice, but basic fairness is echoed throughout scripture. It's why I talk so much about being what I call a person of impact. Christians have commands on our lives. And one of those is that we need to actively participate in seeing that justice is done. Now, how we do that is going to look different for everybody. If you witness an injustice or discrimination, say something. You can even share your experiences on social media, not to stir people up, but to get people talking. Ask your followers what they think of what happened. Starting conversations is a great way to be a person of impact. You can also learn about the laws and the policies of your community. See how the police work. They have a tough job. And I know a lot of podcasts just dog constantly on the police. There are some bad police out there. There's bad teachers. There's bad pastors. There's bad podcasters. There's always somebody in a group of people that's not doing things the way they should. If you see something that needs to be corrected, of course, contact your local authorities or a human rights organization that addresses issues of justice. We can't make things better if nobody tells the advocacy groups what needs worked on. And speaking of those advocacy groups, you can support one of them. Find one that is promoting justice and consider donating to them or volunteer your time or your skills. Even if you're not directly impacted by an injustice, you can still be an ally. You can just simply listen to somebody. Support people who have been affected, have had to live through the trauma of violent crime in their life. Stand up against discrimination, challenged biased attitudes, and advocate for policy changes that will promote justice. 
And probably the most significant way that you can promote justice is by voting. Now, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. I'm not into this side or that side. What I just want you to do is make sure you're registered to vote, research your candidate's positions on issues that are important to you, and then cast your vote for those candidates who are going to support the cause of justice and other issues that you feel passionate about. Just remember, even small actions will make a huge difference, especially as we're getting more and more friends to lock arms with us and do the same thing. Now, it is the first Tuesday of the month as this episode is dropping, so it's time to highlight an unsolved case, and we do that in the hopes that somebody listening knows something that will make a difference for that victim's family. This month, we're talking about eight-month-old Amaya Robertson. She was reported missing on March 16th, 2019 in Indianapolis, Indiana. Her family told authorities that they didn't believe she was in any danger which seems a little odd to me because why are you making a missing persons report and the whole idea of you're missing, nobody knows where you are, who you're with, so how could you be so sure that that missing person's not in danger? Well, barely a week later, March 23rd, the police announced that they were from that point forward investigating Amaya's case as a homicide. Apparently, in the space of that week, conflicting statements from family members and information that was uncovered by investigators changed the entire direction of the case. What most people did seem to agree on was that the last person known to have Amaya was her mother, Amber Robertson's boyfriend, Robert Lyons. That was on March 9th, a full week before little baby Amaya was even reported missing. Would you wait a week to report your infant child missing if you weren't 100% rock solid sure you knew where that child was? I didn't think so. Now, Lyons said that he spent most of that day near Rockville Road and South Mickley Avenue, and that's between the town of Speedway and the Indianapolis International Airport. He told police that he took Amaya to a babysitter's house, and then he gave them several locations where he thought Amaya could be, which also seems strange. You said you took her to the babysitter. She should be at the babysitter's house. But the police checked. Amaya wasn't at any of those locations, and some of the locations turned out to not actually be real existing locations. That is a huge red flag. It sounds an awful lot like the Casey Anthony story to me. Police dug up the backyard of the babysitter after cadaver dogs searched the property, but they never found anything that they could tie to Amaya's disappearance. Amaya's mother told police that she believed her little girl was still alive. In September of 2022, a grand jury indicted her on four counts of neglect, and they also indicted Robert Lyons on the same charges. In December, a judge reduced Amber's bond after she filed a motion requesting that so that she could deliver the twins she was pregnant with outside of jail. She and Lyons have trials set that do not appear to have been held yet. They were due at least one of them to start in March, but there are always continuances and such trials never go very smoothly and they never go very fast. I'm sharing little Amaya's story with you because as I'm recording it, she still hasn't been found. So please, please share this episode with anybody you know who lives in the Indianapolis, Indiana area. Or even if you know somebody who knows somebody in that area, please share it and ask them to continue to pass it on. Because if Amaya is still alive, she needs to be found 
and returned to a caring family member. If she's no longer alive, then the authorities need to be able to bring the appropriate charges against whoever they find out is responsible. If you know anything at all about Amaya's disappearance, please contact the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department Homicide Office at 317-327-3475. Or you can call Crime Stoppers of Central Indiana at 317-262-8477. We don't know exactly what happened to Amaya or who is responsible, but someone does. Depending on your relationship with that person, I get it. It might be very hard to come forward. You might not even feel safe. But I want to lay down a tough challenge here. I want to look at 1 Peter 2, 15 and 16 from the Contemporary English Version. And that just might be my new favorite translation because of how it renders these verses. God wants you to silence stupid and ignorant people by doing right. You are free, but still You are God's servants, and you must not use your freedom as an excuse for doing wrong. I know it's not popular in this day and age to say that something's wrong or right. Nobody wants to have absolutes anymore. But unless you really are in danger, I think you've got an obligation to tell authorities what you know. If you know anything at all about what happened to baby Amaya or where she is or any other unsolved case, please come forward. Every victim deserves nothing less. So please, if you have information, do the right thing. Come forward to authorities. You know, stay stay anonymous if you need to. But at least give the information so that the cases can move forward and families can get the justice they deserve. If you liked this episode, be sure to check out some earlier ones because I I've just been blessed with so many amazing guests. They have so much information beyond anything I could ever share with you. You don't want to miss what they've told me. And you can help somebody else begin their journey as a different kind of PI if you share this episode with them. Because, you know, they'll take something different away from it than maybe you would. We've got to play the game with the algorithm. If we want more people to hear what we're doing here at The Unlovely Truth, if we want to start more conversations, we've got to get more people listening. So you can share the episode or subscribe. Give me a nice review, a five-star rating. That will go a long way toward doing that. And I'd appreciate it so very much. The Unlovely Truth is written and produced by me, Lori Morrison. Music is by Neocortex and the artwork is by Shelby Highland. See you all next time.